The Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. So how can we get more people absorbed in that story? This is the Bible Reset Podcast brought to you by the Institute for Bible Reading. Goodwin here with Paul Kimnitty, and today we're delighted to be joined by Tim Mackey and John Collins from Bible Project. If you're not familiar with Bible Project, first off, you should be, but they are an educational technology organization and animation studio that produces animated videos, podcasts, blogs, classes, and other resources to help make the biblical story accessible to everyone everywhere. Tim and John started Bible Project in 2014. And we're really excited to have them with us for a two-part conversation on Bible Project's work and the state of Bible engagement as a whole. Tim and John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks, guys. We've been uh, looking forward to this. And uh, as with all of our guests, we begin with the question, how did you get uh, hooked on the Bible? I'm assuming that everything that's happened with the Bible Project, presumably far beyond what you um, had thought or dreamed began with two people and an encounter with scripture. So uh, John, John, start off. Tell us about how you got hooked on scripture. Yeah, I grew up with the Bible. I don't really remember a time in my life before the Bible. Um, and there really wasn't a time in my life before the Bible. Just it was part of my family. And uh, I, um, I kind of learned pretty early on that to be to, to, to kind of belong in my crew, like really understanding the Bible was important. And then I was also told like it, it had the answers for this life and the next life. And so like, of course it was like, yes, I want, I want to understand this thing. Um, and, uh, and so really for me, it was just this continual journey as I grew up of re-engaging my faith in the Bible kind of in a fresh way as I like just continue to develop as a human. And that led all the way into deciding to go to Bible college. I, um, I was really impacted by uh, my youth pastor in, in, uh, in high school. And he really made my faith come to life as um, in a way that just made sense intellectually. It just really like began to feel exciting and I was, and he went to a school in Portland called Multnomah. And so I thought, that's great. I'm going to go spend a year at Multnomah and, and try to really crack the code on this book. And I uh, went to study the Bible, stayed for four years. It's actually where I met Tim. Uh, we worked at a ministry, um, at a skate park ministry in Portland across the street from the, the school. Um, yeah. And so for me, it was just kind of this constant, just wrestling with wanting to understand the Bible, often feeling really confused and overwhelmed, sometimes feeling like I got it, but then suspicious that I don't really get it. And um, just that, that really continued on and on into Tim and I's relationship, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I'll pick up the thread and then bring us back to where John left. So I had a really different experience with the Bible growing up. Um, my, my parents are followers of Jesus. And so like the Bible was around and I would see them reading it, but um, 
they both had really strict religious upbringings. And so they didn't impose the Bible on me or my sister. And so um, I ended up as an aimless youth, uh, dedicating my life to skateboarding, which was awesome uh, and became my whole life. And it was actually, I was, I was introduced to the Bible really by being introduced to Jesus. It kind of went Jesus first, then the Bible through this outreach ministry to skateboarders, um, which is where I really encountered a way, well, p- people who followed Jesus that t- to my mind were like normal people, which were, which were like young 20 something skateboarders. <laughs> I don't know how normal they are, but that was normal to me. And, uh, and so uh, it was a community of people that really valued uh, following Jesus and also reading scripture together and learning uh, what it means so that we can follow Jesus more faithfully. And so I was just down for Jesus. I was just so compelled by him. And, uh, and so it was really as I started to read the accounts about Jesus, that's really the first parts of the Bible I ever read in earnest as in my early 20s. And uh, and and it became clear to me that to understand him means understanding the first three quarters of this book, because like he's constantly talking about the other part of this book. And so um, that skate park was across the street from a college, a Christian college. And I was asked to lead a Bible study for junior high skateboarders after uh, I'd started following Jesus. And I was like, I don't, other than telling my story, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to say about this book. I'm reading it right now. It's real time. So I signed up for classes with some friends, and uh, that's how I got hooked on the Bible, uh, was sitting in uh, classes with Professor Ray Lubeck, Carl Kutz, and they just spun my brain. And, uh, and it was particularly about their approach to Scripture, which was to approach it first as art, literary art, sophisticated, beautiful, profound art that you had to learn how to engage by developing a skill set. And so it was less, it, it just had a different framework around it than I think had I grown up in a, in a context like John's. And so I, I was like the coolest stuff in the world and language and ancient Jewish culture and all the stuff. I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was the coolest stuff in the world. Yeah, I love that. And you, you, uh, you went on just a quick follow-up. I mean, I, I've wondered and I get a chance to ask you, um, you didn't take the traditional route for language studies. You didn't trot off to a seminary somewhere. You went to uh, a college in the Midwest and university. Was, it, mm-hmm. was that intentional or how did, how did that happen? Well, what was great, what was unique about Multnomah was they had a, a full major in biblical languages. And so I started Greek and Hebrew when I was like 20, 21. <laughs> uh, so, which is not, if you, if you grew up in like Britain in the UK, you know, you start Latin and Greek when you're like 12. Right. So I, was, I was way behind. Yeah. But uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I got really, um, again, hooked on biblical languages and all of that in my undergrad. And then I did go to seminary here in Portland. I wanted to learn more about church history and understand the history of theology more. But my, um, so I did that. Um, but my Hebrew teacher at Multnomah had gone, gotten his PhD in Hebrew Bible and ancient Judaism at the University of Wisconsin in the uh, Jewish studies department there. And so that's where I went after I finished seminary for a PhD in Hebrew Bible. And it was amazing. It was a cross between language and Jewish studies. Um, so it, was, it, was, it wasn't in religious studies. So it was just language and history. And uh, it drew Jewish and Christian students from around the country. 
it was amazing. It was an amazing season, but it was long. Like it was a really long time to be in school. My joke is that, you know, while John was actually developing employable skills in his twenties, <laughs> I was like buried in ancient, you know, Hebrew and Semitic texts and learning all that stuff. And it's good that our paths crossed because I'm not sure what I would be doing now if we hadn't done something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's paid off well for you guys, I would say. I mean, <laughs> you've had, I, I think over a hundred million people all over the world, you know, engaging with your videos over the last seven years. I'm curious, do you, have you come up with kind of a profile for your quote unquote average viewer? Is there kind of a profile for that person or is it all over the map? And then, you know, on top of that, um, what have you learned over the last seven years? I think specifically, I'm curious about the appetite for this sort of thing. I mean, did you, did you start this thinking that people all over the world would just be rushing to consume this sort of content or yeah. What, what does the last seven years look like in that way? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I wanted to do this project because I really needed it myself. Like I, like I said, I, I was constantly confounded by the Bible and was, and was honestly kind of ready to give it up. I, w I was, I wasn't ready to like, I was going to keep following Jesus. I was all in for that, but I was just kind of like, yeah, maybe I don't need to really care about this book as much as I thought I needed to. Um, and more and more, I just didn't find people actually talking about it really just like talking around it and arguing about the ideas they think it contains. And it just kind of, to me, turned into this, like just thing that didn't seem that important. You could, I could just go along my life without really reading, understanding the Bible. But, um, I still had questions about God and I, and, and I still had questions about the Bible and, the, and, and something about Tim and my relationship with Tim was I just felt really safe to ask Tim like any question I had. It didn't, nothing seemed off limits. I never felt scolded or um, like, you know, are you really a Christian if you're asking those kind of questions? Um, and, uh, and then Tim would often come back with just not only really interesting answers, but better questions. And uh, I just always loved that. And um, like Tim said, I, during that time, I was, I was kind of getting in the marketplace and I was learning how to do explainer videos. You just like short animations that explain complicated topics. And I was doing them mostly for tech companies. And um, uh, I had seen how powerful these, this medium is. Like I had made videos that took me, you know, like, like one of the first videos I, that I made that really kind of helped me launch a career in this, I made like in my living room one night with like stick figures and crayons and stuff and a scanner. And, um, and it got millions of views. It got me clients. It just, it, it just really like had a huge impact. And so I saw this over and over that like, this medium has a lot of potential. And so I, I knew that if we made really good Bible content, um, people would watch it. But I had no idea, like, to the scale uh, and the appetite people had for this kind of content. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't imagine it being what it is, is today by, by any means. Mm. Mm. It, it really was... Uh... It was born out of our own, each of our own journeys, then come together to try and make sense of 
the Bible and our faith for ourselves. So it was a few, we were two years in before we even ever thought about who is our audience? Because <laughs> <laughs> our audience was ourselves. Uh, and we're just trying to make sense of this whole thing for ourselves. And then. Um, yeah. And make content we would like to watch. Yeah. Things that we wish we had earlier so that we wouldn't be in the spot that we were in with uh, finding the Bible so difficult. Um, so uh, we, we eventually just watched our demographics, which were in the spot of the 18 to 34 year old thoughtful Christians, but with a lot of questions. Uh, but since then, that first, we kind of formulated that about two years in. And then since then, the audience has become so broad that it's really more like a network of overlapping profiles of anywhere from a brand new to the faith to like a Bible study leader, to a pastor, to just like the nerd who wants to learn, um, to the novice. It's really kind of the whole, the whole gamut. Yeah. I can imagine that for probably a good portion of people, like this is maybe the front porch of being invited into the house of the Bible, right? Like mm. before mm. they decide to commit, you know, they want to kind of dive in and see what this is all about. And maybe, yeah. maybe your videos help them kind of feel okay walking through the door, I guess, to use that metaphor you you guys i i sense that you're not first and foremost like systematic theology guys um you're you're more biblical theology guys but um at some point you know you have to kind of tip your hand right a little bit to mm -hmm. some of the things that you that you believe and mm -hmm. um you know theology is creeps in everywhere in a good sense. Um, so a, a question is, um, you know, how do you maintain that balance? And do you ever get criticism from people who disagree with you? And it's a little bit mm -hmm. of a loaded question because I just mm -hmm. saw an article mm -hmm. of somebody who, uh, mm -hmm. who said, you guys are soft on the atonement. Mm -hmm. So, uh, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what, 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 what is that like? And mm -hmm. you're, you're getting lots of kudos, but is there criticism mm -hmm. that comes and how do you handle that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we, we, our attempt is to be ecumenical. Um, and if, if there are very clear sides to an issue, um, oftentimes we'll say, Hey, you know, some people think this, some people think that, um, but the attempt is to try to let the Bible speak for itself and be as objective mm -hmm. as possible. Like you said, like, you know, mm -hmm. there's always some some uh, presuppositions we you have there's biases mm -hmm. and we don't even know all of ours i'm sure mm -hmm. um and but man surprisingly very little mm -hmm. criticism i was super surprised like mm -hmm. i was like hey we're putting you youtube videos up on the bible like get ready <laughs> yeah. like like we're gonna be in fact that's one reason i thought about doing a channel and just trying to write these scripts myself very early on and i was like yeah there's no way i'm gonna get beat up by the internet um, and so I'll let Tim get beat up instead. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so we have, we have been consistently really surprised at, um, at, um, just how much support we've gotten across so many different theological traditions. Um, I would say the probably, you know, um, uh, we, I think every spiritual tradition kind of wishes that we cared about their hit list as much as the, we they do. 
Um, and that does come up with like atonement theology. Yeah. And so if you search like what's wrong with Bible project, that's probably one hit you'll get is that we're just not, um, as we don't talk about atonement theology in the way certain reform circles talk about it. Um, but, um, I think there's a, you know, there's other criticisms like we're not, I just saw in our last video, um, uh, that they were just annoyed that we were only putting out a video a month. Like we gotta go faster. <laughs> so we get, the, <laughs> we get those kind of criticisms too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I, think I don't for, know. Yeah. For the most part, we are trying to do biblical theology, which means focusing on the categories, themes, words, main ideas that the biblical authors emphasize. And so for the most part, most Christian traditions have those things at their center. It's, it's more in the second order of how you develop or refine those ideas more with more specifics than any of the biblical authors ever do. That's usually where the divergences come between denominations and so on. And so we're just trying to mostly stay in the center lane. And uh, so it is inevitable when you're trying to do all the aspects of the atonement, for example, the fact that we just say one part of it, but don't dial it down to the more specific formulations of a tradition that we'll get feedback from that. And so that, that's, uh, I don't know, that's okay. <laughs> uh, um, we're just trying to keep the main thing, the main thing. And uh, for, for me, this is why a biblical scholarship is so important is because it is, it is that control of checking our biases and that self-critical viewpoint by reading widely and reading across traditions, reading scholars throughout history. But um, for the most part, we want to serve as much of the body of Christ as we can. And so that's kind of our aim. And uh, yeah, by God's grace, we'll, we'll be able to do that as well as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back from a road trip where I listened to probably a dozen podcasts and um, one podcast in particular that always pits one person against another. Mm. And um, so I had listened to a podcast with a new earth uh, advocate and an old earth advocate, and they, mm -hmm. they scratched and clawed each other for about mm -hmm. an hour. And mm -hmm. one of the refreshing things, uh, and I haven't watched all of your Genesis stuff, but most of it, you guys seem to avoid that topic in a very mm -hmm. lovely way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm assuming because that isn't the point, but anyhow, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it takes a certain kind of courage to say, we're going to do a, what, five or six minute video telling you what the atonement's all about. And we're going to leave the YouTube comment section on like <laughs> that's just setting yourself up yeah, for, sure. you know, potential problems. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it seems like you guys have found a good way to, to balance that. For me, what the joy is in focusing on what the biblical authors care about, which means all of these main themes that nobody even knows about or cares about because they're not the debating points between our traditions. And so exile, the water of life, um, mountains, you know, this kind of thing, temple. Uh, this, is th this is the main stuff. Uh, and it's not the stuff that's on the airwaves because nobody's fighting about it, but it's actually what the biblical authors care about. So that, that's really what we're after is like what the biblical authors, uh, spend most of their time developing. And that's, that's where the good stuff is. Super important. All right. So, uh, so last question, um, kind of a meta question, I guess, uh, you guys have produced over a hundred videos, I think like over 200 post podcast episodes. You're, you're prolific. Um, what, 
keeps you getting up in the morning? Like, why do you come into work and do this? Why do you think this work is so important? I was going to ask them what keeps them up at night and then maybe what gets them up <laughs> right. in the morning. Right. That's a different, uh, different it's a question. a two-part question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what keeps me up at night is my kids not going to bed. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, for me, I just, to this day, I'm just, uh, my heart and my mind is just mesmerized by who Jesus is and uh, the portrait of him that's highlighted by the whole story of scripture and how the literary artistry of scripture is just so beautiful. There's such wisdom and profound beauty here. And uh, so right now I'm working on the literary design of Exodus chapters one and two. And it's just like, it's mind blowing. And it's like, there isn't actually enough hours in my life to work through all of this. And so I'm already behind, as I said. So that's what gets me up every day. I just, uh, I just find it to be the most stimulating, beautiful ideas that you could ever spend your time learning about and sharing with other people. So that's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. And I've caught that bug along the way, um, with, with Tim, um, I'll add as well that uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to, to see the impact this, this has had on, on people and to, and to hear about it. And um, it makes, and, and, and I've always, I'm just a big believer in this, this kind of media. And mm-hmm. I've always thought of myself as an explainer. I didn't have that exact word, but like, I wanted, I, I wanted to do something where I was able to help make sense of the world for people, whether that was preaching or a journalist or a documentary filmmaker. And, um, and so being able to do that is, mm-hmm. is a great joy um, in, this, in this media of explainer videos. But then mm-hmm. as we're, we're branching out and we're doing a lot more, we're building a, a mobile app. We, um, we have our classroom, um, uh, online learning uh, and that we've built from the ground up. Um, and for me, one of the really exciting things just get, gets my blood going is that, um, is that this is this, this is the legacy that people of faith have had throughout history is, is that we, we push the boundaries of how we can communicate really important things. Um, from just this collection of scrolls that turns into the Bible um, to how then we can reproduce it. Um, and, um, you know, codexes and printing presses, but then really just the whole university system, you know, began from Christians in Italy wanting to help people understand the Bible more. Um, and so there's just always been kind of at the cutting edge of communication technology, Christians, people of faith who, uh, who are like, man, it's so important that these ideas just get, you know, soaked into our psyche. And so uh, we just see ourselves doing more of that. And, um, and it's just really exciting to think about the new mediums and mm-hmm. platforms that technology is making possible, mm-hmm. which is just going to further help us understand this literature and, and engage in, in, um, with, uh, with it and, and, and then find Jesus in it. And, um, so yeah, that gets me going. That's great. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we've Paul and I and, and the rest of our team has been fans of your work for years. So it's been super fun to connect. 
hear and and kind of just hear what goes into it in some ways. If any of our listeners aren't familiar with Bible Project, we encourage you to check out their resources on BibleProject.com. And this actually won't be the end of our conversation with Tim and John. So tune in to our next episode where we'll talk about the state of a Bible engagement and what Tim and John think are some of the most important elements of reading and understanding the Bible well. But for now, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one.